Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host Lauren to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Hey guys, the last couple episodes, we have been talking about the law of seed time and harvest. And it's really important to understand this concept in life, right? Because if we desire to reap a harvest of any kind, then whatever it is that we want to harvest, it has to be cultivated. So since July, we've been talking about the different areas in our lives that we can cultivate. That's right. We've talked about cultivating a positive attitude, cultivating spiritual health and physical health. And the last two episodes I shared on cultivating an environment where children thrive, really focusing on how to pray for our children. Yeah. And even if you don't have children, there were a lot of great takeaways just in general about praying. It was really good, Debs. Thank you. Um, And we've had a lot of great feedback already about the last episode. Which is awesome. And we love hearing feedback from you guys, especially hearing that what we have put out is meeting you right where you are. And God is just, he's cool like that. You know, but in reference to what you were saying, Lauren, um, about seed time and harvest, it really does affect every area of our lives. And I know this is probably self-evident when I say it, but y'all, we reap what we sow. If we sow corn, guess what? We're going to get corn. If we sow prayers, we're going to get answers. I mean, think about it for just a minute. If, can you ever imagine a farmer standing in a field that he's planted, let's say, tomato seeds in, and then just getting super frustrated because corn isn't appearing? That's crazy, right? (laughs) But a lot of times, this is what we do as believers. We expect to harvest something we've never cultivated. So our heart in hosting these podcasts on cultivating is really just to come alongside you and help you sow in areas that we know you want to reap a harvest. Yeah, I really love that example you gave. Um, And I I think that we're just going to keep on going. So like today, we're going to talk about cultivating um, a blessed life financially. Woo-woo, get ready, y'all. Right. (laughs) We want to talk about finances today from a biblical view. Yeah, and how you can thrive even in tough financial and economic times, which we know that right now there's a lot of inflation. It's estimated we're already in a recession. In reality, things could get more difficult. So how do we prepare for those things? And here's the deal. There are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer, nearly 500 verses about faith. But did you know there are more than 2,000 scriptures on the subject of money and possessions? Wow, I really didn't know that. Yeah, it's amazing. Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables. So that's, you know, almost half. Yeah, that's a Um, lot. So considering the emphasis placed on money and possessions and really finances in the Bible, 
It's obviously important. So we need to understand money, how to handle it, especially from a biblical perspective. Absolutely. And real quick, I just want you all to do this real quick and ask yourself this question in your head. When it comes to cultivating a blessed life financially, do you know what is first and main? It's a great question. Yeah. Um, If so, awesome. High five for you. You get a gold star. (laughs) If not, that's okay, because guess what? Today, we're going to share biblical principles with you. We're going to talk about budgeting and even some ways to save money. Yeah, and we're going to share lots of practical tips along the way. So we have a surprise for you. We've actually invited a very, very special guest to the show today. Um, My husband, the one and only, Lauren, give me a drum roll, please. (laughs) It's Dollar Bill. Which, that's so funny, y'all. That's his nickname. Our friends have nicknamed him that, which I love, Dollar Bill. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to the show, and we are both really excited that you're here with us today. Well, I'm excited to be here. I've listened to every podcast, and now I get to sit with the superstars. <laughs> you, you, you both do an amazing job, and I've, I've heard a bunch of stories about how, how it's positively infect, impacted people's lives. And it's uh, really helped me as well. I, I get to drive along when I'm out on the road and just listen and glean from what, what God's poured into you guys, and it's amazing to me. So thank you for letting me be a part of this one. Oh, well, we're glad you're here. It's going to be amazing today. You know, when Lauren and I sat down and started brainstorming about this episode, I was like, Bill is going to be perfect for this. Yeah. Um, So guys, he really is gifted in lots of different ways, but especially in the area of finances. He also has a way of breaking things down and simplifying them and just being able to explain them in ways that are super practical. Over the years, he's not only taught me a lot, um, he has frustrated me and maybe fractured me just a little bit too, because in our family, I'm the spender, he's the saver. But seriously, he's not only helped me, he's helped a lot of people over the years, and I know you guys are going to love hearing from him today. Yeah, and Bill, I'm excited to talk to you today about all this and just learn from you. You've seen us podcast and um, you've been in the background of our Zoom meetings while we're planning for First of Maine. So it's fun to have you on the set instead of just like behind the scenes. <laughs> and Debs, I also love that we're hearing from both of you guys today because when it comes to financial health, money is one of the biggest conflicts marriages have. And so I'm really excited to not only hear your perspective, Bill, but also hear from both of you as a married couple and how you have cultivated this area of life in your family. So um, let's just go ahead and get right in. Let's do it. All right, Bill, tell (laughs) (laughs) tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and how God has worked on you in the area of finances. So I grew up in what in today's world would be considered a a big family. There were six of us kids, uh, my mom, her husband, and my grandparents usually lived together. So that'd be 10 folks in what would be considered a one-bedroom, one-bath house. So it was interesting. We didn't have central air. We had uh, a bath, no shower. There were... it was tough sometimes. We had many times where the power might be cut off, the water, cable, well, the times that cable was present, which was rare, phone might be cut off. Man. So it was it was different. It was different. But uh, my grandmother was someone that I knew prayed for us, and I was able to go to church. Uh, where there was a bus ministry that picked me up. I was one of those bus kids, and any of you 
that know what that means, you know we grew up in uh, a not so good part of town. <laughs> but uh, but we never did go. We never went without food. We always saw God provide. It was um, an interesting thing to go through. But again, just looking back, I I can tell that God was always there in the midst of it. So growing up, I um, didn't have any money. So I thought about it, which for anybody that doesn't have any, that's something that you think about. And I liked numbers, and the numbers that went along with money was something that interested me, and I thought maybe I would be a banker. But uh, originally, though, I thought I was going to be a doctor, but uh, I realized that... Yeah, exactly. I, in my in my young mind, I thought that's going to take way too long to to actually get into the practice. I did all the numbers and thought this is going to take. You got to go through med school and blah 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 and all that. Nope, I think I'll just stick with money. And uh, so I thought I'd Dollar go in. Bill. Yeah, exactly. So I thought I'd go into the finance world and maybe work in a bank. But I was thinking uh, maybe something to do with a uh, stock market or something like that. But I knew in my mind that I didn't want to be the paycheck to paycheck family. Yeah. Um, and being with, good with numbers, it just seemed like it made sense to me. So I determined that would be the direction I would go. So when I got to college, I, was, I became interested in the stock market. I became interested in finances. And I actually ended up getting to work for an investment firm, which was what I thought I wanted to do. But I, uh, in the middle of that, I realized I needed to uh, take care of myself, and I ended up in the Marine Corps. <laughs> so, which was which was an interesting stint, switch switch from that uh, having some money to no money, uh, and that of course is where I met my wife, which was a wonderful thing. But after the Marine Corps, I went on to work for a mortgage company and learned a lot about finance there, and then I went to work in sales and sales management and training and was part of a management team for a Fortune 500 company. Wow. Yeah. And that during that time frame, Debbie and I, uh, Debbie got saved, and I rededicated my life to the Lord, and that's where God began to work on us. He showed us that He wanted to provide for us. He wanted to be that good Father that we all need. So part of that was recognizing that we needed to rely on Him with our finances. So as... We dug into the principles of the Bible. It just made sense to me and us. And God has really helped us interpret what worldly finances look like through a biblical lens. And I really enjoy helping other people see what God has shown me. That's awesome. It sounds like you really do have a good bit of experience with all of this, especially since you worked with um, a Fortune 500 company. That's amazing. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you um, enjoy passing along the things you've learned over the years. And I'm excited to learn from you today. And so I have another question for you. And this one's a big question, okay? Based on your experience throughout the years, what are some things that you have learned in regards to money that you believe have been the most helpful to you and your family? Good question. So first, you can never outgive God. And we're going to talk more about that a little later on. Yeah, it's the, true. The second thing is, God is our Father, and He's a good, good Father. And He wants to give us and give it to us abundantly, just like, just like any parent would want to give to their kids. And, and recognizing that, uh, it makes it a whole lot easier when dealing with it. Uh, the other part of that is realizing that God is in control of all of it. It's all His, and we're really just a steward of it. Uh, we're basically a manager of all of it. We don't own anything. I love that you said that. Just We're just a manager of it. 
Yeah. That's a big shift for a lot of people, but once you can make it, it really does, it, it, it makes a big difference in how you handle your money. Yeah. God has a path for us to follow and you recognize that path. He'll supply all of your needs. It's uh, it's it's a great thing that, that he's taught us yeah. through the supernatural power working in us that God can uh, show us that path and make it clear. Uh, and the thing is, is when God is on your side and you know he is working on your behalf, I mean, anything's possible. Um, he can do anything. Yeah. And he can bring resources to you in ways that you you could never imagine. Yeah. You know, which is awesome. <laughs> so what happens is when you know that God's provider, like Bill said, and that his power is really at work on your behalf and he can bring resources to you, even when there are, you know, things happening in this world, even if there's a recession, even if there's just a challenging time that your family may face because something unexpected happens, God will provide. Yeah. And man, whoa. That changes everything. <laughs> Absolutely. And once we get that viewpoint down, we can really see how God wants us to handle money. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the reality is there's spiritual laws that are in place regarding money, and they apply to our lives, especially when we are doing things according to the way that God teaches us to do things. And these are the things that when you apply them, it really does lead to a blessed life. So I'd say learning that I can never outgive God, learning that I'm a steward or a manager of all that God has given me, and that God has a path for us to follow. Those would be the three big things that have helped me and our family more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. Wow, those are great. I love those answers. So let's talk about this for a second, because we may have some listeners that want to live God's way, but maybe they just don't know how or what that even means. And I think it can be wrapped up in... Matthew 6. So I want to read verses um, 24 through 33 from Matthew 6. And it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body as what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by worrying, can add one hour to the length of his life? And why are you worried about clothes? See how the lilies and wildflowers of the field grow? They do not labor, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory and splendor dressed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive and green today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Therefore, do not worry or be anxious saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first and most importantly, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you also. Amen. I think this passage is pretty clear. It is. (laughs) And 
you may not know this, Lauren, but this passage is actually the very first Bible passage someone shared with me. Really? Happened to be Bill's mom. No yes. way. And it happened to be on the night before I gave my life to Christ. Oh my gosh. She opened up the Bible and read this passage to me. The amazing thing is the following morning, mm-hmm. we went to a church that none of us had been to and walked into the door. The They handed me a bulletin and on the very front of the bulletin was this passage. Wow. So God was getting my attention. Yeah. I mean, this passage, it is, like you said, it can be all summed up. What is it saying? Mm-hmm. People who don't know God worry about these kind of things, right. where they're going to eat, what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, you know, what they're going to wear, just the necessities of life. But those who know God mm-hmm. do not have to worry about those things because if he clothes, you know, the grass and puts them on display and they're here today, gone tomorrow, like how much more, like Bill said, mm-hmm. he's a good father. Yeah. Is he going to provide for his kids? I mean, that's his heart. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I got a hold of that, as we got a hold of that, it really did change our lives because it's just absolutely powerful um, because you realize you don't have to be the one right. doing everything. And I especially love how the message reads mm-hmm. um, this particular um, part of this verse. It says, people who don't know God mm-hmm. and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it basically shifts and says, okay, here's, here's your part. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. When you do that, you'll find all your everyday human concerns um, will be met. So yeah, God's a provider. Our part is to seek his kingdom, steep our lives in kingdom reality, and every human concern that we have will be taken care of. I mean, what a promise. In the kingdom, God has a part, we have a part. Our part is to learn how to handle money and really realize that it's a test because money, what we do with it, not only tests our priorities, it tests our loyalties and really our affections. You show me what you do with your money and I'll show you where your priorities are and what you really want and like. Um, So if we learn how to handle money God's way, keeping him first in main and demonstrating that his kingdom is first in main, here's the thing. He'll not only entrust us with more money, he'll actually entrust us with even greater riches. I think that's the scripture. It says in Luke 16, if you haven't handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world? So if you want wisdom and revelation and all of those things, start handling your money God's way. And you'll be amazed at what else he shares with you. I love that. And really, we can read all throughout the Bible that God promises to bless and prosper those who trust and serve him. I believe that God really does want to prosper us and that he really does want to bless us. But it comes back to what you were saying, Debs, and what you were saying, Bill, it, it starts with trusting him. And I mean, literally it's in scripture, Proverbs 28, 25 says, those who trust in God will prosper. Absolutely. Bible's clear on it. Money isn't the issue. It's the love of money. In Genesis 39, it talks about how Joseph was a prosperous man and how the Lord was with him and the Lord made whatever he did prosper. I don't think that meant just getting extra corn. 
<laughs> so, so, and if you look at anything God did and had His hand on in the Old Testament, if you look at the the temple, the temple, almost everything seemed to be layered in gold. And and those of us who who know anything about Scripture, we've heard about heaven. And what are the streets paved with? Gold. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I really don't think money is is the problem. It's a heart issue. God really does want His people to succeed, and He wants us. To, as we succeed to bless others. As he told Abraham in Genesis, I will bless you and you will in turn bless others. But we have to do things God's way. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so Bill, here's another question for you. When it comes to cultivating a blessed life financially, what would you say is first and main? So the most important thing, the first thing, the first and main thing is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to recognize that He's your Savior, but He's not only your Savior, He's your Lord. The second thing that you have to do is honor the Lord with what He's given you. In Proverbs 3, 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So based on that scripture, Bill, honor the Lord with your wealth, would you say that tithing is first in Maine? Definitely. Tithing is biblical. A tithe is just 10%. And to me, that's 10% of the gross, not the net. It's because all of it is what you've earned, so you give 10% off of all of it. Uh, and tithing has been around for a long time. It was around before the law. Uh, we see A lot of people don't realize that because a lot of people who basically say, well, tithing is Old Testament. We're New Testament. <laughs> really, as a justification like to not do it, the yeah. reality is, like Bill said, the principle of the tithe precedes the law. Yeah, we can see it in Abel's offering in Genesis. You might even think of it as in the garden as well, because God said, you got all these trees out there, you can eat from any of them, but just that one, don't eat from it. Yeah. So that's kind of a, even I've in never that. thought about yeah, it like that. I didn't either. That's awesome. Yep, so all of that happened a long time before the law. As a matter of fact, God gave Abraham victory in battle, so Abraham gave back to God's priest, Mechizedek and he gave a tenth of all the good he had received. That's in Genesis. And that was 430 years before tithing became part of the Mosaic Law. Wow. Yeah, so it has been around for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, this is really cool. According to Galatians, mm -hmm. um, Abraham is our spiritual father, mm -hmm. and Christ is a type of Mechizedek priest. And in Hebrews, which, y'all, is New Testament, um, go and look up chapter 7, verses 8. It says... Here, mortal men receive tithes, so we're still talking about it, right? But there, Jesus receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So there's a principle in there that Jesus actually receives tithes. Mm -hmm. So y'all just sit with that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. The fact is there's certain principles that permeate the Word of God. If you look back, even Jacob in Genesis 28 vows to give God a tenth of all God's given him. So cool. Yeah. Um, and this is probably a cool fact. Some of you guys may not know it, but like Bill said, a tithe is a tenth. That's actually what the word means, tenth. But did you know what the number 10 represents in the Bible? I don't. Testing. Oh, wow. So think about this. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Bill gets the gold star. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? I'm going to say 10. 10. Okay. Can you think of any others? How many commandments were there? Ten, which kind of test our obedience, right? How many times did God test Israel while they wandered in the wilderness? 
10. It's 10. That's a good guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many times was Daniel tested in the first chapter? 10. And think about it. The virgins who went out with the oil that were supposed to like, you know, wait, tarry until the bridegroom came, mm-hmm. which was a test of preparedness. It was 10 virgins. Wow. Testing. Absolutely. So what we're saying is the tithe is the ultimate heart test for the believer, but it's also the only thing in scripture where there's actually told, where we are actually told that we should test God. Deb, you want to read Malachi? Yeah. I mean, think about that, y'all. Mm-hmm. The yeah. only place in scripture where God says, now test me in test this. Test me in yeah. this. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithe, like Bill said, all the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there is no more room to receive it. Wow, that is really cool too that that is like Malachi 3.10. Like in all the scriptures talking about testing, it's Malachi 3.10. And the number 10 means testing. Wow, you know, I did not even think of that. That is, you are spot on. Come on. That's really cool. God is amazing. Yeah. Wow. So if, if we can get this one thing, it's the biggest difference maker. Uh, we may work for it. We may put it in our bank account. We may spend it. We may do all of that. But really, it's, it's not ours. It's God's. He gave it to us. He gave us all of that. He gave us all the abilities we have. Anything and everything that we have that's good came from God. So in that, giving back to him really shouldn't be that big of a deal. I'll give you an example. So if, if I'm walking down the road and some mega wealthy guy comes up to me and says, hey, I want to give you a million dollars. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. He said, but there's a catch. After I give it to you, you have to give me $100,000 back. Um, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, that's, that's not bad. I'll take $900,000. I'll give the $100,000 back. Uh, it's not that big of a deal if you look at it that way. Yeah. And so everything that God gives us, all he's asking you to do is just be faithful in that 10%. Uh, we've done it for over 25 years, and I can tell you, not once have we ever regretted it. So true. Just identifying and recognizing that it's his is the basic, basic principle of it all. But here's the thing. We don't just give to get. Uh, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. So we're, we're really giving it back to him, and we should be, should be at happy in doing it because we recognize that it's not ours in the first place and he's just continuing to bless us because he loves us. Um, as Debbie said in Malachi, it says that we can test God in this area and anyone who has knows God is true to his word every single time. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, 18, it tells us not to be arrogant nor to put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope in God who richly provides for us with everything for our enjoyment. So, Looking at that and thinking about sometimes it might have been difficult, Debbie and I and everybody else probably that's on this podcast uh, or listening to the podcast went through 2008. 2008 was rough. but uh, And on top of the financial burden of it all, it, I made a, a bad financial decision in the midst of it. So not only did I lose 75% of my income, Debbie's talked about that on previous podcasts, but I'd also made a bad investment in property and pretty much came close to losing every single thing but God. But God. In the middle of all of that, he, he provided 
so many opportunities. Uh, I, and just seeing he provided so many different ways for our family. And, and what, it goes back to what you said, you know, there's a, he always provides a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Over and over again in Scripture, there's times where he, where even with uh, Abraham, he provided a way, which those of us that think about that as, as parents, that's a rough one. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, through, in, the, in those tough years, it was, it was evident that he was there. Uh, and the Bible's also clear that we're going to have tough times. It's, you shouldn't be surprised by it, but God promises to take care of us. When times of trouble come, He's there. He's in the midst of it with us. The, the, the biblical reference that I can't help but think of is in the fiery furnace. When the midst of all of that, when there are just fires all around, burning what should have burned them up, which some of us that went through it, it should have burned us up. But God was there in the midst of it with us and, and came helped out, us get through not it. even smelling like smoke. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Came, you yeah, weren't even absolutely. ashy. Came no, but out. I mean, just to you know, speak to that, when we were... Going through all of that, financial hard times, economic hard times coming down on us, God provided every step of the way. There were crazy things that happened, like Aaron ended up with a discount on his tuition. Then we had, you know, like money would just like come. People would give us money out of the blue. Somebody not somebody, like a few people actually gave us like full-on vacations. Wow. So in the midst of that, when we should not have been able to have a vacation, when we should have probably had to pull Aaron out of private school, the Lord began again because we were faithful in doing things God's way. We continued to give first to God. Then just like that said, you know, that original scripture you read in Matthew 6, he provided and he not only provided our needs, he did more than that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can remember when, uh, we, when we first got out of active duty in the Marine Corps, we weren't making a lot of money. Uh-huh. And we had decided that you were going to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. So it was, it was rough. It was rough. But God desi- saw the desires of our heart. And as you said, sometimes it's just not the needs he meets, but some of the other. Yeah. Uh, I can remember one day that a check just showed. I can't remember who sent the check where it came from, but a check just showed up in the mailbox. Yep. Don't remember the amount of that check. Do you remember? Mm-mm. No, but I, I just remember some It was money. what we needed. It was, what, it was yeah. like this. It, it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was God. It was what we needed. I can remember another time uh, I, when I was in management that some of the employees that worked for me decided to put me in for a uh, manager of the quarter, manager of the month, something. I had no idea that they'd done it, but I won. Yeah. Uh, and it was a 1000 yeah, from the wow. radio station. Yeah, Good absolutely. job. And at that time, $1,000 was, it was a, a lot of money now. It was a big deal because I had just was, started staying home with yeah. Aaron, which was a, it was a big leap of faith yeah, oh, absolutely. to quit my nursing job Abs- and to stay home with him. Absolutely. And, and we needed the money. Yeah. And there it was over and over again. There's so many stories. Yeah. I mean, so the reality is over the last 25 years, like Bill said, God has blessed us um, in good times and in challenging times. And right now we are in a great place financially. And we have, I believe we are where we are at today because we have cultivated what we're talking about here today, a blessed life. We've sown in this area for many, many years. But like Bill said, God blesses us to be a blessing. And it is a wonderful thing to be in a place where you can 
go beyond yourself and your basic needs and be able to bless others. And, you know, over the years we've had, my goodness, so many opportunities, not just through our church, but obviously through supporting organizations, missionaries, projects, you know, different things like, and just helping people that we saw in need. So, um, you know, I even think back to all the years of serving in ministry. You know, I did that for 25 years faithfully. And probably over the 25 years, I would say five of those I probably got paid. Paid Um, is a... You're using that word loosely. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think the most I ever made was like $200 a week. I mean, it's not a lot of money. But the point is, is that we can give not only to people, you know, financially, but I gave many years of service. I gave my time. I gave my talents. And then that is a sowing. And what happened is we did reap in like a lot of different ways. Like I said, you know, people providing finance or scholarships and, you know, all those kind of things. So the bottom line is just like Bill said, we can never outgive God. And when we prioritize his kingdom, then he takes care not only of our, not only our needs, but he'll also take care of a lot of your wants at the same time. So the bottom line, God's ways work. If you want to thrive, even in difficult times, start stewarding your money God's way and give Him your resources, give Him your talents, and you're going to see that all He does is add to your life. True. Give and it will be given to you, right? Yeah. That's Luke 6.38. And our journey to prosperity or this blessed life that we're talking about, it really does begin when we first give back to God. And I think that when we sow in this area of our lives, we will definitely reap a harvest. Yes. And not just a basic harvest, I believe an abundant harvest. You know, it is just awesome when God has your back. Bill and I, you know, there would, I think there's a scripture in the Bible said, um, one of the gospel writers wrote, if they were to write down all the things that God did, the books couldn't even contain, contain it. them, right. You know, I feel like, I kind of feel like that. If we were to sit down and actually try to start writing down every single time God's come through, I don't, I don't know how long it would take. Yeah. He is a great provider. He is. It reminds me of um, a scripture from Second Corinthians. It's in chapter 9, and it's actually a couple of verses, um, verses 6 through 8. It says, Now remember this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously, the blessings may come to others, will also reap generously and be blessed. Let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. Okay, so Bill, can you talk a little bit about financial stewardship and how you practice it? To start with, you have to live within your means. (laughs) And in America, that is a hard, hard saying. Uh, Living within your means just 
basically just means just that. Here's what I make. Here's what it costs me to live. What I have left over, I can spend, I can save, I can give, I can all of those things. But, but recognizing first and foremost that everything that you have is a gift from God. So first and foremost, you're going to tithe. And then you go from there. So in that, we can start talking about budgeting. Budgeting sounds like a big nasty word, but it's really not any more complicated than uh, knowing what money comes in and knowing what money has to go out. Uh, it's, it's not really complicated. But in all my years of trying to help people work through a budget, it seems to be the most difficult thing because people have a hard time talking about what they spend their money on, talking about uh, their habits that they have with money. Um, one example might be Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts for Dunkin me. Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> yeah. I like Dunkin' Donuts. I have to wrap. You do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> we, we can talk about that later. So yeah, but, but spending 20 bucks a week on coffee when you can't pay your credit card bills or your electric bill or something else that is a need. Or uh, save any money. Or save any money or you're not tithing. That, that might be an area where you need to work on it. So uh, being honest with yourself uh, is the first real big step in coming up with a budget. You've got to be accountable to yourself. And, uh, and in doing that, really, it's probably a whole lot easier if you just find somebody you can trust mm -hmm. and just be open and honest with them. Show them everything. You've got you to get it all the way down to the pennies so that people can see and some other, whoever it is that you're wanting to be accountable to that they can see and they can help you. I think, you know, you and I have talked about this a good bit. The accountability piece is probably one of the biggest pieces because I think most of us, like we're Americans and like we're free and we don't want to be accountable right, to anyone, yeah. much less to God. We want to do what we want when we want. And we don't want anybody telling us we can't do what we want when we want. And I should be able to spend $5 anywhere I want. Right. Especially and if you worked and you earned that's it. That's right. I right. earned that money. <laughs> so that accountability piece, finding someone that you do trust, that you can sit down and actually put yourself in a place where you say, okay, I know that I really need to work on this. This is an area where... I need to be a better steward, and so I am going to find someone, and I'm going to be accountable. It's a huge step. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, one of the simple ways that some people start a budget is they'll use the envelope system. It's kind of old school. It's a cash system, but for a lot of people, it's a great place to start. Especially uh, if you're an overspender, right? Yeah, yeah, it really is, because basically you just decide in your Figure out the things that you have to spend money on. Get an average. For instance, you know what your rent is every month. That's a, that's a simple one. If it's $1,000 a month, you know that every month you're going to have to have $1,000 for rent. So in that envelope, out of your paycheck, you put enough every out of every pay period so that it comes up to that $1,000. So you've got the cash in there for that. The, where it gets a little sticky is when you get to an area like clothes or Dunkin' Donuts coffee where you only have $10 in your envelope, but you really want another Dunkin' Donuts coffee and, and you've spent that 10, uh-oh, 
what do you do? That's where your accountability and your res- and being responsible with what God's given you really comes into play. If the envelope's empty, guess what? You got to wait until the next time that you're able to put money into that into the envelope. And that so, just comes down to discipline. Yeah, which it, most it will of help a, discipline mo- you. Yeah. It will help discipline. And the challenge is most of us, it, it, you know, it, <laughs> we don't need to explain this. Y'all know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Discipline is not easy. No, that's right. Right. Once we we're like we we have great intentions, we're gonna put it all in the envelope. But just like Bill said, you get to that moment and you're like mm, trying to steal out of another envelope. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, hmm, I'd probably go into another envelope. But that's where you give somebody else all the envelopes. <laughs> you only get your one envelope. <laughs> but you're right. You do have to. You have to be disciplined. And the, the envelope system is good. I did. I did use that for a little while, and it was very helpful. Yeah. It does, you know, make you be disciplined, and this is what you have, and this is where you can spend it. And it is hard. It. I mean, it's hard at first, but once you do it and you practice that, it does get easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill and put me on the envelope system <laughs> back in the day. In, in a way, I just said, "Here's what you got for the week. When it's gone, it's gone." There's a lot of different ways that you can do it by spreadsheet. All, all kind of different things. Our son uses some, used some crazy spreadsheet that uh, he filled every single thing in, and, and he wouldn't let me see it, but he did say he did it. So, <laughs> And he managed to get, get things going in the right direction. So it, there's a lot of different avenues out there, but the real thing is making sure that you're honest with yourself and whoever else you're account, accountable to that's, or that's helping you be accountable, that you're just honest about it yeah. because you, you can't do it if you're not. Yeah, I mean... I believe everybody needs to sit down and do a budget. And I know one of the things you recommend is doing an annual review. Yeah, absolutely. So well, how to tell people how they like how to do that? Yeah. So at the at the end of the year what I do is I look at the big stuff and just see if there's been changes in it because I try I have to track it for taxes. So there's things that you can see and you try to figure out what happened. Why is that more than it used to be? Is there something I did? Is there something I need to adjust? Sometimes it's insurance went up. Sometimes it's taxes went up. Sometimes it's something else that happened where you need to make an adjustment in your budget. Uh, Depending upon where you are and your income level and and flexibility in your budget, it may need to be something that you do monthly. But just make sure that you're checking yourself so that you can make adjustments because you don't know what you have. Uh, the, the, what's the, there's that saying, it says, uh, if you don't, uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with a budget. If you're, if you're not active in it, you're, you're not going to be successful with it. And it kind of comes back to the whole stewardship thing. You know, if you're going to be a good steward, you have to know yeah. all that you're, all that you have so that you can steward it well. Take care of it. Yeah. So Bill said there are tons of resources. I think one that is a book, you know, there's obviously online resources, there's books, classes, all that kind of stuff. Um, Larry Burkett is well known in the Christian world. He wrote a book called How to Manage Your Money. It's actually an in-depth Bible study on personal finances. And um, he also has another book called Money Matters, and it actually has answers to a lot of financial questions. Both of those books are really good resources. Sounds like a good book. Both books sound good to get. Also, um, I mean, Dave Ramsey, right? I mean, he has a lot of great um, 
just resources on his website. And if you go to his website, you can even get with one of his financial coaches. Yeah. And he has a free app as well. Um, it's called Every Dollar Budget Your Money. You can download that on your phone and use that and that will just help you. Yeah. It's a great, great place to start, especially if you've never done a budget and you're wanting to get started. Absolutely. So one of the other things that you have to do when you're thinking about a budget is, is how are you going to make choices about your money? And the way that we do it is Debbie and I obviously talk about it. <laughs> Sometimes we have long conversations about it, but we, but we come to decisions Sometimes we do. We do actually and all listen, the time. We, we do. Look, we I'm have. Joking, come, but we really yeah. don't fight about money anymore. I mean, we did when we first got married because, like I said, Bill, from his background, like you can imagine, with his background, having then, nothing, right, makes you <clears throat> focused. Yes. <laughs> so I would say he was a little, you know, um, compulsive, compulsive, obsessive, obsessive. <laughs> Dedicated. Dedicated. It's <laughs> a great word. It's <laughs> a great word. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I was spoiled rotten. So, you know, I pretty much I'm not got what I disagree. Right. I, I pretty much got what I want. So um, I really did not know what to do with he was like, We can't do that. I'm like, What? <laughs> what do you mean? So we had lots of um Em, Heated exchange of passionate ideas. Impassioned exchange of concerned ideas. There we go. That was that's from it. Sam Chan. Yeah, that's it. That was it. That was it. So we we talk about <laughs> talk about what, where we need to spend money uh, in coming up with a budget. There's some things that that may be in there that uh, have to be adapted, changed, yeah, modified. Yeah, I mean it's a give and take. It's a give Absolutely. and take. And then you pray about it if you if. If you get God in the middle of it, you're going you're gonna to be okay. Yeah. And he'll help you with some of those areas that might need some edges softened. But uh, in, in all of that, there's a saying that I heard a long time ago from uh, an economics teacher that I had in high school. Uh, he was an interesting character, an interesting character. I, I, I'll tell you a description of him, but, and there's a story that goes along with it, but I'll have to do that another time. But Mr. Basket was a, a leisure suit Larry guy. He had polyester suits with the big lapels that came down, always had his shirt unbuttoned, one more button than it should have been unbuttoned. He had <laughs> white hair that he tried to style like Elvis. He had big glasses, and he had what are called pork chop sideburns. They oh came down goodness. almost down to his chin and just big old fluffy things, but... At the beginning of, of the semester, he'd come into the economics class and he'd say, class, I need you to understand life is about choices. And he'd say, some people call it economics, some people call it economics. <laughs> life is about choices. So uh, it stuck with me because life is about choices. And when we're talking about money, life is about choices. Yeah. We have to decide what's a need, what's a want. And in America, that's a gray area because everybody thinks everything is a need. So when we're talking about that, that's where we have to really challenge the way we think and challenge so each true. other in it. You know, to Bill's point, I remember when I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and Bill really wanted me to be able to stay at home. I also wanted to be able to give any additional time that I had to serving at church. 
And that is what mattered to me. It's what, it's what mattered most to us. And it definitely mattered more than me staying in a job, making more money, us having more stuff. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, how we handle money really does reveal our values and priorities and our affections. So in order for us to really have what we said we, you know, truly valued most, we had to figure out ways to cut. So I'm a girl, obviously. I like going and getting my hair done with Mm -hmm. Lauren these days, obviously. (laughs) Um, Thank God we're past this point. But anyway, I'm a girl. I like getting my hair done. But the truth is there are cheaper options. I also like getting my nails done. But truth is I can actually do them myself. And just like Bill mentioned earlier, I, you know, I like a good Starbucks from time to time. Not that I drink coffee as much as I used to, but the truth is I can live without it. Um, Some other things that I like, I like really plush, expensive toilet paper. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, And if I'm honest, I like brand brand name things. Yeah. But they cost a lot more. And they are not necessities. Yeah. They are preferences. They're nice, but we don't have to have them. And in reality, you start talking about your nails, your hair, your Fufu coffee, your name brand this, product, that, whatever. All that adds up to a good bit. And, you know, Bill and I had to sit down and we had to make decisions. We had to make some tough choices. And, you know, like to his point, we do live in America and a lot of times we just want it all. Yeah. But we can't have it all. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices. And the reality is I cut going to get my hair. I cut going and getting my nails done, started drinking my own coffee yeah. and bought cheaper toilet paper. Yeah. I get nice toilet paper these days, you know, because <laughs> that's not the season we're in. Mm-hmm. But in that season, in order to have what we both said mattered most, it meant we had to cut on things that were nice, yeah. but they weren't necessary. So, you know, I do want to say this to all my little ladies, all my little ladies, all my little ladies. That's single ladies. That's, okay. Yeah, anyway. That won't work, but anyway. No. I, I, read I it. like it. All my little ladies. Um, whether you realize it or not, you know, and I'll say this, even if you're the main breadwinner in your home, at the end of the day, men do feel responsible to take care of us. And if they love us and we're talking about the things that we like and want, there's something in them to like provide that for us. And it can be really stressful. Yeah. Um, so I would just say to you, you know, have some discernment in that area and just recognize that you can actually steward your wants and all of that mm-hmm. to really be a helpmate. Because at the end of the day, that's our role in the relationship. Yeah to be a helpmate. And one of the ways that we can help is really looking and thinking about what we want, what matters most, and then being willing to say no and sacrifice to some of those little extras, especially if it means, you know, for me, like being able to be a stay-at-home mom. And it was worth it, 100% worth it. Absolutely. You know, that was a short period of time. And I get all the toilet paper I want now. And, <laughs> does, I, and Laura does my hair all the time too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you make a really good point because I know for like my husband and I, if I tell Peyton that I want something, he's absolutely going to say, 
do whatever he can to make that happen for right. me. Absolutely. And he really does want to do that for me. And so I could probably take advantage of that if I'm not careful. And for instance, one of our favorite things, one of my favorite things, Saturday, it's the end of the week, I get home from work. I love to eat at Ted's Montana Grill. Yeah. They have the best bison um, filet. Oh. And it's tender, so I feel it's like it's healthy and there's broccoli. But if we eat there, we're spending almost $100 just on the two of us. That's really? by the time okay. we order, we get like an appetizer, we pay for, um, we, we leave a tip. Mm-hmm. We cannot really be doing that every Saturday. But Side point, make sure you leave a tip. Yeah, right? <laughs> make sure you leave yeah, a tip. Yeah, a good one. Yes, absolutely. Um, Minimum 20%. Yes. yes. Um, so Peyton, of course, he's... Oh, he has told me before, we can't be doing this all the time. We can't, be. and he really does want to do that for me yeah. because he knows how much I love it. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, as a helpmate, I need to also hold us accountable, and I need to help him make a good choice by right. you know taking that responsibility for myself to say maybe I shouldn't ask Peyton this this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's important. Yeah, you want to say anything to that, babe? I agree. <laughs> but, it, but it is just about choices in there. And sometimes it's, okay, I, I, we want to go here. So what what can we do? What can we trim? What can we change? So that if we do want to go to Ted's Montana's Grill and drink out of the paper straws, that we find something else to cut so that we can make that possible. So I'd say there's lots of ways to save money. To, you got to be creative. Again, it's about stewarding what you have. And this applies to anyone. It doesn't really matter what your financial status is. It's it's just, we just can't be wasteful. It's about making the most about what you have. I think Elon Musk is probably a... A good example of mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I, I, he doesn't own anything, I don't believe. I don't he, gave, he owns yeah, a house. He, he, gave, well, <laughs> he still lives pretty modestly. For, for a billionaire. Anyway, sorry, sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> he lives modestly for a billionaire. But he uh, he is, It's yeah, that's an example, absolutely. But... It is about making choices. It's about being, like I said, about being creative. Some of the ways that uh, we can do this is recognize your strengths and make sure you have a plan. Um, one of the other tangible ways is to know your shops. And when I say that, that, that's kind of a weird thing for a guy to say probably, but I, <laughs> but I actually do most of the grocery shopping. Because we recognize Bill's strength and Debbie's weakness. <laughs> yes, can we tell the Apple story, please? Yeah, tell the Apple story. <laughs> I've tried to forget the Apple story, but please tell it. Should I? You're going to tell it. No, let Lauren tell oh, it. Oh, Lauren wants to. Please okay. tell it. Okay. Well, I love this story. So um, we were in a we were doing discipleship at your house. This was um, many years ago, and you went grocery shopping, and you wanted some apples. And I, I can't remember specifically how many apples you picked out, but you, you got two apples. Okay. You got two apples and you picked out these nice, big, crispy red apples and you were all excited about it, put it in a bag, paid for them, got home and um, Bill looks at the receipt <laughs> and saw that you spent like $7 on two apples. <laughs> it was no, like, it was $7 on an apple. Oh, oh. <laughs> And he was like, you could buy a whole bag of apples for this kind of money. <laughs> he was totally fractured, y'all. The apples, they were pretty apples. They were pretty. It was like Eve all over. I had to have the apple. No, I'm just kidding. 
We don't know if it was Apple. But I love that story. When you told that story, oh, man. And and it's really stuck with me all these years. I mean, every time I purchase apples, I think of that. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious because that is the kind of shopper I am. Like I said, you know, I just came, like, if I want it, I get it. Mm -hmm. And I'll go to the grocery store and I'm a visual person. So if I see it, I'm like, oh, that looks good. And honestly, I don't always look at the prices. And yeah, build us the shopping. <laughs> so, so have a plan, which when you're going shopping, that means have a list. So if you go into the store with a list and you stick to your list, that's probably going to keep you on track and keep you on budget. And it, it doesn't hurt to look at the prices. It really doesn't. And if you know your shops, going back to that, there's certain places that you can go that you're going to get a good deal. For instance, Debbie loves, we talked about toilet paper. I like Cottonelle. Debbie likes Charmin. They're not paying us for that ad, but they, that's what she likes. So we get it. But when you think about it, you think, well, I'll just get it to the grocery store. Don't do that. If you go to Dollar General, Family Dollar, same toilet paper, 5 to $10 less for a big, big package. Why wouldn't you do that? You pass by a Family Dollar, Dollar General on the way home from anywhere. There's, there's one everywhere. so cold out right now. I, I never purchase it from Dollar General, but I, I'm going to stop Check in there. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. All their paper products. All their paper okay. products. Debbie doesn't like the napkins I buy from there, but they... Hate. Hey, that's, a, that's, a, that's not a strong enough word. <laughs> you hate the napkins? I hate those napkins. <laughs> you hate the napkins. I like really... I like nice napkins. So when I'm buying but the napkins, I deal with it. Yes, it's it's a choice. Yes. It's a choice. She gets she gets the Charmin. We get the cheap napkins. Uh, same with paper towels. Same with any of the paper products. You'd be surprised. That's a good place to go. It's just knowing knowing your shops um, and knowing where they are, so you can always make it easy to go buy there on your way here or there, whatever. Uh, so one of the other things that you can look for is in most grocery stores they call it a loss leader. You'll be surprised. Uh, Ingles is one example. Chicken, my goodness gracious. They seem to have chicken on sale all the time. Uh, chicken breast, boneless, bone-in, thighs, whatever it is you like. It just seems like they always have it on sale. Uh, same with meat. They'll. It's just every so often they'll they'll put it up on their little billboard. So if you're passing by and you got a minute and you see it, buy it because you know you're going to need it. Hamburger will be on sale. Steaks, whatever kind of steaks you like, you'd just be surprised. Um, just pay attention and just know your stores. I guess that's a good way to put it. Uh, you know, it's not shopping, it's saving. That's, there's a, there's a guy way to oh, put it. Oh, come on. Yeah, it's yeah, not like shopping, that. it's saving. Uh, the other thing is that you don't always have to buy new. Uh, some people are stuck on. It's a big thing you've taught me. Yeah. It's a, some people are stuck on, I've got to go get this at name the brand store, but what if you could get the same thing and save a lot? For a good example would be when we moved to the to the lake, I didn't really have any fishing gear. I think I may have had one old beater Zepco pole. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna live on the lake. I might I might actually want to fish. I'm gonna need some fishing poles. So I started thinking about it. I went to the the big name stores that you think of. I went to Dick's, I went to Academy, I went to Walmart even, thinking somebody's going to have this stuff. And I started pricing it and thinking, oh, uh, 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 just all the spider senses went off. This is too much. So I, I just prayed about it and thought about it. And what came to my mind was years ago, I needed some tools and I 
ended up in a pawn shop and I bought a bunch of tools that I needed for a job that I was trying to do. The name brand tools that somebody had just didn't either didn't need anymore or couldn't afford to have anymore. So I took advantage of that. So I went to a pawn shop and bought fishing gear and I bought, I think I got three fishing rods, a tackle box full of tackle, all kind of tackle, everything you could think of, uh, fishing line, all of it. And I got it for the price of what one fishing rod would have cost me wow. if I'd bought it new. Wow. So it's, it's being willing to think outside the box with whatever it is. I'm not saying don't get what you want, but be creative with it. So good. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is the Lord really taught us to be prayerful in terms of like some of the things that we wanted. Back to when I was staying at home, we did have a budget. We lived on a limited income, but we had bought an old, you know, country farmhouse and there was restoration work that needed to be done. And I dreamed of having a picket fence, but it was a significant amount of like yard that would need to be fenced. And so we had done pricing and all of that, and it was just way out of our budget. And I remember just going to the Lord and praying and saying, Lord, I really, really, really want a picket fence. Will you please provide me with a picket fence? And this one particular day, I just woke up and I just got this urge to like go out yard selling. Mm -hmm. And so I go out yard selling and let me tell you, the very last place I stopped, there was this old gentleman and there was picket fence that he sold. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, was it, it was like $25, I think. It was either $25 or $100. I bought, and here's, here's the most amazing part. There was a, the house where we were going to put the picket fence. There was a left side and then there was a right side. When I ended up taking all of that home, it was the exact oh length. Oh, gosh. To get for the, on the left side and the right side. And wow. the right side. And I think I paid like $100 for it. So when we talk about thinking outside the box and going back to what we're talking about here, how you can thrive even in... Um, difficult times, yeah. God has a way of providing. Yeah. And I mean, how fun was that? Yeah. You know, what a story, a testimony yeah. to God's goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. And and before we got started, Lauren was actually telling me about a new app that I didn't know about. What yeah. was that one called? It's called Fetch, Fetch Rewards. Fetch, Fetch Rewards. Yeah. So Fetch Rewards is pretty cool. Um, anytime that you go shopping, you can scan your receipt and you get points. And um, those points add up and then Fetch will actually give you gift cards for any store of your choice to um, use on whatever you want. So like I've st I have right now like 10,000 points. That's enough to get me a $10 gift card for Amazon. Love it. Or I can save the Dunkin points. Dunkin' Donuts. Or Dunkin' Donuts, right. <laughs> they do have that on there. Or I could save the points and continue to let them accumulate, and then I can get like a $25 card uh -huh. or a $50 card. Um, and they have all the different stores. But the cool thing about the app is each week they they showcase different products. Uh -huh. And if you purchase that particular product, that brand, or from that particular store that they're showcasing, you get even more points when you scan your receipt. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know about um, a gas app. Yeah, it's called Upside. It's one that um, if you uh, recommend somebody and they go through your little link, they actually get a little bump. So Aaron told me that he gets a little bump off my Upside. Every time you buy gas at one of the gas stations, uh, it's usually a raceway, a racetrack, or a shell station is usually the ones that are on there. 
but it, it pays you back. It just, and it adds up. It's, it depends upon where it is and what the price of gas is. It may be 10 cents a gallon. It may be 15 cents a gallon. Sometimes it's terrible. It's only one cent a gallon, but whatever it is, every time you buy gas and it just accrues. And just like with that other app that Lauren was talking about, at the end, you can get a gift card for wherever. And we use it at the end of the year for Christmas. Uh, one of the other things that we do, uh, once you have a good budget set and you've got everything accounted for and you're disciplined and you can use a credit card the correct way, which means you pay it off every month, that's, that's key. You can't carry a balance on a credit card. It's just destructive. Uh, the interest rate on them is it's robbery, but you just, that's my advice. Never carry a balance on a credit card. So anyway, if you can use it effectively, there's a lot of them that have incredible points, whether you like to fly, go places, whatever it is. Me, I just like the best point system so that I can do whatever I want with it. And uh, believe it or not, end of the year, depending upon what you use your credit card for, it can you can rack up some serious money. We pay serious for Christmas money. every year. Most of it. Most yeah. of Christmas every most year. All of our Christmas is through using our points That's that we've awesome. saved. Which Bill, you know, he has to constantly tell, don't you use them points? Don't you use them points? <laughs> They're on there. I know you see it. I know you see how much money is on there. Don't use it. I'm like, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is tempting. It, it requires some... some Discipline not to do it because yeah. it, it adds up pretty quick. But that's, uh, I mean, that's basically free money. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. If you pay off your credit card every month, it's not costing you anything. Yeah. It just isn't. One of the other things that- We had that, over $1,000. Yeah. Last year at Christmas. Uh, one of the other things that, that I do that I can't, I can't remember who it was. It was some radio DJ that said that it was like at the end of every week, I take whatever bills I have in my wallet and I stick them aside. And when he said it, I was thinking, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> There's no way I can do that. So I thought, well, what can I do? And I could, at the time, I, I could stick my change. Mm-hmm. I could stick my change in a jar. So at the, at the end of every day, what I would do is I'd take the change that was in my pocket because I, I tend to carry cash with me. Even to this day, I still carry cash. So if I spent some money at Dunkin' Donuts... Uh, I would ha- might have some change left over. So at the end of the day, I just put it in a drawer, put it in a jar, put it... I actually got a little... Because I'm that way, I have a change separator. So the quarters <laughs> go, the, everything goes in its place. So, But then when it comes, comes time for vacation, I'd take that money and wrap it up, take it to the bank, get cash, and that'd just be... We can blow this money on trips. And, and as you begin to make a little bit more money, you can change that to dollar bills or $5 bills, whatever it is, whatever your comfort level is. But the, those kind of things, they, they really do add up and it can make a big difference because it's something that you really don't even think about. I mean, some people just leave change on the ground. Not this guy. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's awesome. I think another thing that you did that was really insightful too is every year you typically get to look at your health insurance and you can choose your options. Mm-hmm. And sometimes this was actually your idea. Oh, it was. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, come on, Deb. <laughs> they happen every now and then. Anyway, we got that in and we looked at you know how much like doing the next step up, and I I think I said something to you about. So if we did that every month, how much, you know, is that? And I was like, do we really spend that much on our health? Because up until when I got COVID, 
typically did not go to the doctor very much. Mm -hmm. So we ended up, after looking at it, keeping the smaller amount, and then Bill put that money away just in our own pocket. Yeah. So let's say it was $200 and it was going to go up to $275. We pretended like we did the $275. Mm-hmm. And so every month he took $75 and he put it in um, a little safe. A little safe. And we said, okay, well, if something happens with our health, then we got to pull it out. We'll pull it out. But if for some reason we don't end up spending that, we'll use that for vacation. And for several years, we got to pull that out. Now, last year when I had COVID, that money was gone. That money was gone. <laughs> but it was there. Yeah. It was there. And and I did it again this but year. But it was better like we'll have it instead of the insurance company. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. And that's, that's just one thing you look at. And that really depends on your particular situation as to which one of those you really need to know how you are in your health and what things you need. So that I don't recommend doing that unless you really pay attention to that. One of the things I've heard a lot on First in Maine is is Debbie and Lauren talking about knowing your why. Yeah. So that's that's something as well with your finances. Knowing your why is extremely important. For me, leaving a financial legacy is something that really matters. Like I said, uh, I wanted different for my family. I didn't want didn't want them to have to struggle like I struggled growing up. And you have to think about the fact that you're setting an example. Your kids, they uh, they see what you're doing. Uh, you say it all the time, more is caught than taught. Yeah, I didn't come up with that, but yeah, I use it a lot. <laughs> I use it a lot. Uh, and, and expect what you inspect as well. That's another good one that goes not really with that, but it's a, just a, an aside, a little freebie. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing that we did uh, in that line of thinking is that we taught Aaron how to budget, taught our son how to budget, and I really recommend figuring out a way that you can teach your kids how to budget uh, the way that we did that was it was we gave Aaron an allowance. Yeah, that so came he did from, have how old he was, right? Which came from focus on the family. That's where it came from. They said that if you're going to give a child an allowance, that you should base it upon their years. And so whatever they said, a good idea is if whatever however old they are, give them a dollar for every year that they're alive. So when Aaron was five years old, he got five dollars a week. And what he did with that, well, that was the fun part was I know all of you that have kids have experienced this one in the store. Mom, Dad, will you buy that for me? Well, don't you have your own money? (laughs) Why, yes, I do. Well, why don't you spend your own money on it? Oh, I don't want to spend my own money on it. Well, then why? what makes you think I want to spend my money on it? So that was one of those ways that we could teach Aaron the value of money is, is say, you've got your own money. If you really want that, that's not something we budgeted for. That's not something that you need. That's something that you want. And if it's something that you really, really want, you spend your money on it. And uh, we he found out quickly that... It wasn't. There was a whole lot of times really, that he really, really wanted. did not want that. He learned that life is choices. Life is about yes, choices. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we did the same thing even when he was in college. We had him uh, work during summers when he was home so that he would be able to feel, uh, he would have some skin in the game, as they say, when it came to college, that he had to put some money in. So when it came time for a college semester to start, we'd sat down. We'd Actually, I had him do it. I had him figure out what is your budget. Tell me what all your costs are. And we sat down and we wrote them all out. What do you think you're going to need? And he would come up with a number and and I would fluff it up just a little bit because he was running lean thinking he was going to survive on 
what Dave Ramsey says, beans and rice and rice and beans, <laughs> which wasn't actually going to be the case. So we'd come up with a number, and, and at the beginning of the semester, I'd say, okay, here's your money for the entire semester. You got to make it. Figure it out, which he said at one point, that's the favorite thing he ever heard me say was figure it out. So if you run out of money, son, it's on you. You got to figure it out. You have to get a job. You got to do whatever you got to do. He didn't have to work during college. He was on scholarship and all of that and um, involved in, you know, different things at school. So he worked over the summers. But, you know, which honestly, as the mom, like, you're doing what? He's got to do what? I mean, what if he runs out? And Bill was like, he's got to learn. Mm -hmm. And so... The bottom line is, if he did run out, he would have to go pick up a side job or do something. Right. And, he came uh, home. I remember one semester he came home and he said, I have one dollar. <laughs> 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 I made it. I have one dollar. Now, there were times that he would use... He called his Nana. <laughs> yeah, there were, times, there were times that he would, he'd be counting heavy on birthday money oh, yeah, to yeah, make yeah. sure to help him get through in Christmas money. So, yeah, absolutely. But um, you're going to help your kids far more doing things like that than giving them everything that they want. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, On a side note, I want to throw this out there when we're talking about legacy and taking care of your family. Uh, The Bible says that we we should leave a legacy, that we should leave an inheritance Mm -hmm. is is actually the word it uses. So for those of you who are the breadwinners of your family, life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. It doesn't cost a lot. Basic term life is cheap. And the last thing in the world you want to do is leave your family in a lurch because something happens to you. Uh, the other thing... And we're, the, I mean, the bottom line is biblically... We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. Yeah. We don't know. Don't Things know. happen. Yeah. They do. And the other part of that would be, I recommend that you get a will. They're not expensive. You can get, you can get one online, have it done. It just... You may not have a lot, but you may be surprised that you have more than you think. Mm -hmm. And some things that are family heirlooms, you want them to go to somebody. Some things that are there, you you really want somebody to specifically have those. And if you don't have it written down, again, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail, and the state or somebody else, or you're going to cause an argument amongst family, there's all kind of stuff. Don't be selfish. Have life insurance. Think about your family. Have a will think about your family. That's part of being responsible with and being a good steward is is making sure that you take care of things just in case, just in case. You so. know, here over the years, I used to do the bills. Then obviously we realized Bill had a better strength than that. So he took over all of that. Thank you, Jesus. And he, I, as a woman, I can say that it is very comforting knowing that he has done those things. And maybe you have a spouse or whatever and you're not sure, maybe they do handle things, you're not sure exactly what is set up. I just encourage you, open the dialogue, have the discussions. And I know for me, Bill has set me down and he's like, if something happens to me, everything is right here. Mm-hmm. He's, you know... I have an envelope. And the, the safe. So it's in the safe. And he said, this is where you go and it's going to have everything you need. And this is, he he stores some of like that money he was saying that the little (laughs) dollar bill puts away. (laughs) And so one day we were paying for something. He goes, oh, there's just cash up there. Go in there and open that up. And I opened it up. And when I did, it literally has a note from him that's like walks me through 
If and I'm like gone, step start one, here. I'm gone, start here. And the first step was call Aaron. Call Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll help you through all of this. So, yeah, take care of your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's really great, too, because if something should happen, sometimes you're just so... You can't believe it just happened. You're in shock that to even make decisions or try to figure things out just feels very overwhelming. So the fact that you have it all written down and you, you know, have step by step, that that's so helpful. Before we wrap up, I do want to ask you one last question. Okay. All right. What would you say to someone who is really struggling right now financially? I mean, maybe they are living paycheck to paycheck or... Maybe they just feel like they're drowning in a mountain of debt and they really, they just don't see any way out and they're feeling completely overwhelmed. Uh, first, I would say is I'm sorry you're in that situation. I know the feeling and, and it's terrible. It feels like the world's on top of you and you can't seem to find a way out. So uh, I, I'm sorry that you're in that situation and, and I pray that God would help you get out of it and that he would show you clearly a path out. Uh, practically speaking, uh, I would look at it and think about what I call the elephant approach. Most of you have probably heard this somewhere. How do you eat an elephant? One, One bite, bite at a time. time. One bite at a time. So when you look at your situation, the, what you can do is you can look at the whole big thing, but if you narrow it down to little parts, just little parts, and say, uh, this bill is $50. I can take care of that this week. I can, I can, I can take care of that. I can manage that. Find ways, find ways to identify just the small little parts of that big old monster animal and just chop them away a little at a time, a little at a time. The, uh, the first, first thing that I would do when you're trying to figure out how much you can have to do that is, as we were talking about earlier, really work through that budget all the way down to, I say work it all the way down to the bubble gum you buy. So when I say every single penny, I mean every single penny you spend Take, take a week, take two weeks, uh, take as much as a month worth of expenditures and write every single one of them down, down to the penny so that you can see. And what you're going to be surprised is there's room. You're going to find room. You're going to find things that you're, I really don't ever, I don't need to do that. I don't need to buy a soda every day. I can, I can not stop at the gas station and get that cup of coffee. I can get a cup of coffee at home. It costs about three cents for a cup of coffee if you make a bottle of coffee. It's cheap. It's cheap if you're making your own. Um, those are just simple, simple things. Find, find the room because room is there. God will help you find that room. Uh, Dave Ramsey, again, is one that will help you in finding those. I think it's actually called yeah, it's, it's called the 14-Day Money Finder. Mm-hmm. So that's on his site, and that'll help you find that. And, and once you find some room in there, you can start taking care of it. Uh, the other thing I was talking about is getting rid of the fat, anything that's excess. Uh, we've talked about Dave Ramsey because he's, he's a Christian guy and he's a Christian finance guy. And some of the things he says, some of the things he says can really help. One of those is he says that you should be willing to eat beans and rice and rice and beans until you get into a better situation. Uh, and that's literal. There are times when you just have to realize that you can't do, you can't go to Ted's. You just don't have the money. <laughs> yeah. you, you just got to say no to yourself. I'm not going to do that. It's not a need. I, I need to cut back and figure it out what exactly is an absolute necessity. 
we talked a little bit about the difference between wants and needs, but we really didn't get into it. But a need is something that you absolutely have to have, just basic food, clothing, shelter, the basic fundamentals in American society. There's a whole lot of places that don't even look at that. They don't look at shelter. <laughs> they, they live wherever they live, however they live. But in America, yeah, you got food, clothing, and shelter. So those are the basic things. That, and beyond that, then you really start getting into areas that you can look at and say, I don't have to have cable. I may not have to have an unlimited phone. I may just all kinds of just the little things that you can tweak and adjust and find yourself some room until you get into a position where you got enough to cover. The other thing that you may have to do is something that I had to do when we were talking about um, during the recession was I didn't have enough. When we sat down and we ran the numbers in order for us to do what we wanted to do, and that was keep Aaron in private school, private Christian school, we had to make a decision. Well, Debbie had to go back to work, which was tough. And I had to find more jobs. So I was working a full-time job, which full-time was closer to 50, 60 hours a week, but that wasn't enough. The money wasn't there because the economy was a mess. So I found other ways to make money. And you have to be willing to do that. Side, Side hustles. Hustles is what people call them. <laughs> I mean, I did everything from sell sheets. They were comfortable sheets. They were. <laughs> they were comfortable sheets. To I remember that. All of our friends got those sheets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you can, if you can imagine this, a, a bald older guy selling flat irons. <laughs> Yeah, I sold them. Chi, chi, flat irons. They were good. Chi, flat irons. I sure did. Absolutely did. All of our friends bought those too. Yeah, they were. I had. <laughs> they I got a great. good price on them. You did. I did. I did. Sheets I did. And flat, flat irons. irons. I sold on eBay. <laughs> all a vending machine. I, yeah, I had more than one vending machine that I found. A, I found a good deal on uh, Craigslist or something and bought uh, some machines. Anything I could do. We did yard sales. Oh my goodness! Until Debbie was sick of yard sales. <laughs> Uh, I went back and, and got my uh, insurance license and went back into doing some financial counseling and selling insurance again on the side. I, anything that came up, I boarded up houses for for some people that wanted to make sure people didn't get into the houses. Whatever it was, you just sometimes you just have to be willing to say, this is what our needs are. This is what I want for my family. I'm going to have to do more. And God will provide opportunities if you're willing to do the work. God will provide exactly what you need to take care of your needs. Yeah. And, you know, and to speak to me going back to work, I had not worked in nursing for over 12 years, felt completely incompetent, thought I would, you know, kill somebody. I mean, when I left nursing, I didn't think I would ever go back into it. But it comes back to we're still tithing. God is still our provider and praying and saying, okay, we have gotten ourselves in this situation, like Bill had said, made a bad financial investment. Then the economy turned, lost 75% of his income and just went before the Lord, just praying, God, give us a way out. And after fasting for three days, I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard this phrase in my head and I just knew that I was supposed to get up and go type it into the computer. I typed it in the computer and a job came um, on my screen. I still don't even understand how it happened. Yeah. And I looked and it was something, it was teaching in a school, which obviously I love to like teach. And it was for nursing assistants. And I was like, I can do that. Yeah. You know, they're not going to give anybody medicine. I won't kill anybody. And so, <laughs> <laughs> 
by the she was really worried about killing was, somebody. By the, really end, by the end of the next day, I had a job. Yeah, that's awesome. And the Lord used that job over the course of two years. I went from teaching nursing assistants to medical assistants to patient care techs. He basically paid me to re-educate myself. Wow. And you were allowed to minister to people. Yeah. While you were awesome. there. You gave yeah. Your, yeah. There and other places you were able to give your testimony. And was it easy? No. Did I want to do that? No. Yeah. But it was a season mm-hmm. and God provided a way. Right. And and I don't have to work all those jobs anymore. It was a season that you just, sometimes you have to realize that there are seasons in life, ups and downs. The Bible talks about all the seasons that, that are there. And and you just have to be willing to put in the work to, and recognize how God has a way out for you. Because God's got a, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. He, and he wants you to succeed. He wants you to be blessed. So I, I want to encourage you with that. And, and the scripture that is one of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, 11. God <laughs> says, I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, to give you health, wealth, all of those things. It's not to harm you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. That's, that's our God. That's our Father. He doesn't want you to suffer but again, there may be times when you have to go through some stuff. But if you keep this in your heart and recognize that God loves you and he wants the best for you, uh, you'll find a way. You'll find a way that he's got a plan for you to do he that. He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and he'll bring you out too. Yeah. Absolutely. And one last thing. Yeah. One last thing. This is something I don't ever hear the ladies do, but I want to do it. They may cut it. But if you enjoy this podcast... You're, and you've already taken care of your budget. You've already given and tithed in the church. All of those things that you need to do, you already have your emergency fund, all of that stuff taken care of, and you happen to have a little bit extra and you want to support this podcast, there's a way to do that through BDA Development Ministries. You can go to bdadevelopment.com. There's a way to give on there, and you can help support this podcast and keep it going. It's 100% uh, nonprofit that's all paid for out of that ministry, and we'd love some support on that. Thank um, you guys for letting me come on. This has been great. I appreciate it. Yeah, this this has been awesome. I really enjoyed learning from you today. I wish that I would have brought all of like my paperwork and spreadsheets, and we could have sat down and um, done all that today, too. So thank you for being here and um, being willing to chat with us today. Well, guys, that's it for today. As always, thanks again for meeting us here at First in Maine, your avenue to living well. 